So we want to thank you guys for joining us in continuance of our Woke series. Amen. This has been an amazing series. It has been eye-opening. It has been a series of revelation, a series that has shined the light on the darkness. Amen. A series that is definitely necessary. I was telling pastor, I said, pastor, there's so much going on. This series needs to be like, we need to have like woke 2022. Like this needs to be just like an ongoing series because there's just so much that we can learn um, from a series like this. Amen. Amen. And so for those who don't know me, my name is Ryan. Uh, I serve here at the church. Ryan, I'm happy, excited, just overrun with joy to be able to serve in this church. Amen. This is not something that I take lightly, you know, whether it's cleaning a toilet, worshiping, bringing the word of God, it is all equally important to me. And I, I try to do it with the most excellence that I can. Amen. So I want to thank you guys once again for joining us, for being here with us. Who has been blessed by this series? Yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought, I said there's no way that I can be the only one. Amen. And God has placed the word on my heart to share with his church today, with his body, with his bride. And though I don't intend to be long with you guys today before you, I absolutely will not leave without speaking every single word that God has placed into my heart. I can't. Amen? Amen. Series has been, I can't put into words what that series has been to me. And I thought, you know, getting started, when, when Pastor first asked for help and praying with the topic that he wanted to present in this series, I thought, okay, we're about to talk about some real stuff that is going on in the world today. Like, we're about to get into it. And so I was excited. And then from week one and on, I realized, wow, this series truly was not just intended for us to expose the darkness that is out in the world but to expose the darkness that is right within our very own hearts. Amen? And we love to talk about what's going on out there and talk about these different situations, and it's very necessary. But it's also just as necessary to talk about what is going on and what happens in our hearts and in our churches. Amen? Amen. So, I want a quick show of hands. How many people would say or can say that they've had a good 2020 so far? Now, before, before you look at me like, yo, you're crazy. Have you not been watching? This is not to be insensitive to anyone that has dealt with some serious things this year. This is not to be insensitive to the person that's dealt with sickness, 
to the person that's dealt with the loss of loved ones, to the person that's dealt with the loss of income, or anything else that is terrible that has been going on. But considering all things, at least me, I feel like I can say that this has been a good year. Allow me to explain. I feel like we needed 2020. Right? We needed 2020 more than we realize. God had to shake some things up. He had to shake some things up in order to get our attention. In order to change our minds, our perspectives. Amen? God had to deal with us in a strong way. That would leave us with a lasting reminder that he is the only one that we can trust and that he is still in control. Amen? And so I'm grateful for 2020. I'm grateful for 2020 because through all the pain, through all the uncertainty, through all the difficulty, there have been some incredible things that have been birthed in people. And there have been some incredible things that have been birthed in the body of Christ. Amen? There's been new anointing, new calling, new ideas, new ministries, new businesses. There's been a renewed or a new burning passion for God and his word. 2020 has been the alarm clock without the snooze button that we desperately needed. Right, because we've had plenty of alarm clocks going off. God trying to warn us throughout the years. God trying to speak to us throughout the years. Alarm clock after alarm clock going off and going off. And most of us just hit the snooze button. I'm grateful that there has been no snooze button on this year's alarm clock. Amen? And so... This word that God has placed in my heart today is not an easy one. I'm not going to lie, I'm very nervous about this word right now. But I know without a shadow of a doubt that it is the word that God has placed. Amen? And so pastor said at the beginning of the year that 2020, the first year of this new decade, would define this decade. The first year of any decade is usually the year that defines that decade, right? I believe that we will see a decade full of truth. That we will see a decade of God's word being revered as holy again. A decade of the church taking back the power has given away all these years. A decade of people not being so consumed by the things that the world has to offer them. But being more aware that if there is anything truly good to accomplish or to be had, it can only come through the hands of God. It can only be given by God. Amen? I'm not naive. (laughs) We are not naive to the struggle and the pain and the hurt that 2020 has brought for many of us. 
But you know what I'm most grateful for in 2020? Thank you, Jesus. I'm most grateful that in this year, God has showed us more than ever that the kingdom of heaven is truly at hand. He has showed us this year more than ever that the kingdom of heaven is truly, truly at hand and that he is getting ready to make his triumphant return. Amen? If you look at it, everything that is going on around us, everything that we're seeing in the news and, and that we're reading on social media is clear-cut evidence that we are truly living in the last days. And we're going to get into Matthew 24, verses 6 through 13. But before we get into that, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about some of the things that we see going on. There's been, I don't know how many almost wars that we've gotten into as a country. We almost went to war with Russia, according to some. Almost went to war with Iran. There's been natural disasters like you wouldn't believe. Hurricanes in places like, uh, I'm sorry, earthquakes in places like Puerto Rico, Mexico, that have been devastated since, like, I feel like it's been an ongoing earthquake story going on in those places since, like, 2019. Amen? We look at places like Cuba and Venezuela, to name a few, that are ravaged with famine. Famine like you wouldn't believe. In Cuba, they have to stand in line for hours out of the day to hopefully be able to go back home with a bag of rice and a few pieces of bread to last them until the next time they're able to come get food, sometimes weeks, sometimes months at a time. My wife and I stayed at, um, shout out to my wife, by the way, and my beautiful daughter. They're like twins. Um, my wife and I stayed at a hotel in Sanibel Island for our anniversary, our five-year anniversary this past July. Woo-hoo. Um, and one of the most amazing individuals that we met was a, um, I don't know exactly what the position they call him, but he was the, co the golf cart driver. So if we needed a, a shuttle or anything like that, he would pick us up at our uh, building and take us to wherever we needed to go. And this was right at the beginning of the Woke series and us discussing some of these different things that, that are going on. And this man just starts telling us, he's like, man, things going on in this country are crazy. He's like, I'm going to tell you right now, if this place becomes like my home, Cuba, the world is done. 
And so Cuba's a communist country. And he was telling us how at 19, at 19 years old, and I'm sure there have been others that, that have had to do it younger, but at 19 years old, this man had to flee from his country and swim to hopefully be able to make it to America. And then he showed us uh, uh, pictures, you know, of what it looked like there in Cuba. People in line getting rice, sometimes bread that had maggots in it. You mean to tell me these people had to wait in line for like 10 hours a day to go home with some bread that had maggots? And so we see the devastation that is going on all around us. We see the church being persecuted. You look at places like China, Iran, again. A couple of weeks ago, they just blew up the biggest megachurch in China. The Chinese government strapped it with dynamite and blew it up. Completely demolished it because the people would not stop meeting. So it's, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Whether we like to believe it or not, it's happening. And then we're starting to feel the heat here in our country. Places like California, Chicago, that are not able to meet in church just yet. People fighting for that. If they do meet in church, they're told they can't worship. I mean, the power of God can do anything, right? But imagine we come in here and there's no worship. We just get straight to the word. we'll be missing a crucial part of what we were created to do, which is worship our God. Amen? Amen. And so let's go ahead. We're going to get into Matthew 24, 6 through 13. And we're just going to correlate some of the things that we see going on in the world today with what Jesus tells us would happen. Amen? And so this is at a portion where Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple and the signs of the return of man, right? And the disciples are asking him, when will this happen and how will we know? And so Jesus starts giving them the signs, starting at verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Check. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, check, and kingdom against kingdom, check. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, check and check. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Tell your neighbor, labor hurts. Verse 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, check. We're not seeing the persecuted and put to death part here in the U.S. yet. But I know, and it's a sad thing to say, I know that there is a place right now, somewhere in China, somewhere in Iran, somewhere in, in, in these countries where they hate Jesus, where they hate God, and don't want people to know about him, 
that they're sitting here right now like this, nice and cozy with the AC, and the military is marching in right now and rounding them all up to throw them in prison, to put them to death. Tell your neighbor, thank God for America. Amen. Um, where were we? So then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. Check. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Amen? How almost eerie is that? That the things we see going around, going on around us, Jesus talked about them. Like almost to the T, we can pick out every single thing that he mentioned and put a current situation that is going on in the world around us to match it. Amen? And so what I would like to highlight the most in this portion of scripture and what's going to set the foundation for my title and, and more importantly, the word that God has placed in my heart is verse 12 and 13. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Amen. The title of my message today is AWOL. Turn to your neighbor and say AWOL. AWOL. Hmm. Okay. We have any... Um, any veterans, any military in the house? Raise your hand, please. Raise your hand, please. Proudly. First of all, I want to thank you guys for fighting for this country, for putting your life on the line so that we might have this freedom that we have right here today. It's something that we should never take lightly, that we should never take for granted, because there are militaries out there in other countries that are fighting to suppress the word of God. And here we have people that fought for us to be able to freely express our love for Jesus. So give them a round of applause, please. So if you're in the military or, or you're a veteran, you know what the term AWOL means, right? AWOL is a term that the military uses. Um, my brothers were in the Marines, or excuse me, they would correct me for saying that. My brothers are Marines, because once a Marine, always a Marine, they say. Um, and so what they've taught me, the AWOL means, that is a term used to describe someone, let's say, for example, you're in the military, and you're, you're at your base, you're on your assignment, 
and you want to request time to go home and see your family. You request this time and they deny you that time. And you decide you're going to leave anyway. They call that being absent without leave. So they didn't get permission to leave. AWOL, absent without leave. I don't know if it's different for the Army or the Navy or what have you. I can tell you what, <laughs> what my brother told me it means for the Marines. Amen? And so I want to open up to Luke 10, starting at verse 29. Luke 10, starting at verse 29. And we are going to read 29 through 37. And it's a very familiar parable that Jesus gives. Uh, it's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody familiar with it? Okay. So it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And just to give a little context where the story comes from, um, this is on a point in the scripture where Jesus, there is a religious teacher that comes and decides he wants to try to test Jesus. I guess test him on his knowledge. We see that all throughout the New Testament. They always come asking him different questions, trying to throw different scenarios at him to see if they can get him to trip up and blaspheme God or speak against the word of God, something that is not in uh, the Old Testament, right? So this religious teacher comes and he asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus tells him, well, you know what the law says, right? And the religious teacher's like, yeah, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is basically like, all right, you got it, kid. Like, good job. Do that. That's what you need to do. And so we'll start at verse 29. But he wanted, and this is speaking about the religious teacher, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem, uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. That's cold. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Tell your neighbor, that's a good man. The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. 
Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. So Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen. There's a lot that goes on there, right? There's a whole lot that goes on there. But let's just point out the obvious. So this man was just beat up. Just got robbed and was at the point of dying, it says. He was in need of physical help. I'm sure, it doesn't say, but I'm positive that this guy thought he would die and nobody would see him. Nobody would care. Amen? I'm sure he was on the ground and he just got beat up and he's laying there and they probably stabbed him and they probably took his wallet. If this was present day, they probably took his phone so he can't call for help. He can't call for an Uber. They took his wallet. He got no money to pay for an Uber. They took his kicks, everything, everything. And so he must have been laying there, and in the distance, he's like, man, God, I need help. I don't know if there's a God. Maybe he knew God, maybe he didn't. God, I need help. Please send someone. Send someone to come help me. And then he saw somebody in the distance. He saw somebody in the distance. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, man, someone's coming to help me. Someone's coming to help me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Wait. No, sir, I need help. And the priest passed him by. Then he saw somebody else. He's like, wait, I think, I think there's somebody else over there. They must see me. They must see me. There's no way they can't see me. I think, yes, look at his robe. That's a Levite. Surely he'll stop and help me. Surely he'll stop and help me. And he didn't get any help. And I'm sure that as he's laying there on the ground, beat up, bleeding, I'm positive the thought in his mind must have been, man, Lord, why? Why did these people just pass me by? I'm pretty sure that was a priest. That's a man of God. I'm pretty sure that was a Levite. That, that's a man of God as well. And so surely he thought he was going to get the help he needed. And he didn't get that help. Thank you, Pastor.
They just walked right by him. <sighs> Left them for dead. Church, I want to tell you today. Can I tell you that as we reflect back on Matthew 24, verse 12, where it says, the love of most will grow cold. Many times we don't have to look further than the church to see that sad truth. Many times we don't have to look further than the body of Christ to see that sad truth. Now, it doesn't say in the scripture who this man was that got attacked. But imagine that he didn't know God. And it doesn't say where the priest and the Levite were heading when they passed him. But I can only imagine maybe they decided they couldn't be bothered with him at the moment because they were on their way to fulfill their religious duty. Or they were on their way to the megachurch to preach in that conference. They were heading to the church revival to worship and, and they just couldn't let anything stop. Couldn't let anything stop them from being able to get to this church revival or this service for the power and the love of God to be displayed to everyone that was there. But what about the guy that was just laying there? Did he not deserve for the power and the love of God to be displayed to him? God leaves the 99 every single time for the one. Amen? And it's sad that when it comes to the church, when it comes to us, when it comes to the body of Christ, most times we will forsake the one to take part with the 99. We will forsake the one to take part with the 99. And I'll never forget this. I remember when we were in the old building, um, this was when Pastor Daniel had, had just taken over the youth ministry again. And we were planning the biggest service that we do or that we did every single year, which was GLOW. And we got the food ready, we got the speakers ready, we got the ministers ready, who was going to worship, what songs, and everything was ready, and this house was packed. Well, not this house, but the other one. <laughs> the house was packed. And there was this one particular friend of Pastor Daniel that really wanted to come, but he didn't have a car. And he said, Danny, I will go, but... I need a ride back at a certain point. I, I can't stay the whole night. I got my kids, and I'm going to have to leave early. So he said, maybe I'll take an Uber. Pastor Daniel said, no, 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 no. You don't got to take an Uber. I'll take you. So the service is going on. It's an amazing, it's a beautiful night. God is moving. And right before the word of God was going to be brought, his friend lets him know, Danny, I got to go. I know you're in the middle of the service. You don't have to leave to take me. I'm going to call an Uber. 
Pastor Daniel was like, no, that's all right. I'll take you. He left the major event that was popping. I'm not going to lie. Like, it was lit. Glow. It was, it was definitely the place to be, right? If you've been there. And so he leaves at the height of the service to take his friend home. And he was able to minister to that friend by himself in the car. And that friend wanted to accept Jesus. And that's what God does every single time. And that's what he calls us to do. To leave the 99 to find the one. Amen? Amen. But that's not what the Levite did. That's not what the priest did. And we would say, oh, no, that's not me. And although we would refute the claim, it's unfortunate that most people out there in the world see the priest and the Levite as a representation of the body of Christ. We know we are to be better than that. So it's like, no, that's, you know, that's wrong. That shouldn't represent the body of Christ because that's not how we are. That's not what we do. But to the people around us, to the people at school, to the people at work, to the people that don't know God, this priest, this Levite, the pastor, the bishop, the church, the church minister, the church goer, is the representation of the body of Christ. Amen? And sadly, many times they are right. Doesn't matter what we say, whether we agree or not, what matters is what they see. So it's, us, it's up to us to show people that no, we are not the superficial religious church that continues to walk right by them in their time of need, that continues to walk right by them in their time of hurt, like this priest and this Levite did. tell you right now the only way you can walk by someone that just got beat up and was left for dead or the only way you can disregard somebody that is in their time of need and, 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 and really needs your help is if you have no love in your heart these men that passed by the man that was dying did not have love in their heart. We don't have true love many times. I'm being honest. I know this is not the word that everybody wants to hear. This is not the word that I wanted to hear when God ministered it to me. Many times we don't have love within our own hearts right here in the church. We don't have love for God and we don't have love for our neighbor. If we did, we would take care of those people. We would care for those people. We would take action when they needed us. Jesus told Peter three times in John 21, between the verses of 15 and 17. You won't have this one up there, I don't think. He told them, if you love me, feed my lamb. If you love me, tend my sheep. 
If you love me, feed my sheep. So to me, it's evident that love is simultaneous with action and with doing. Love is an action word. Amen? Tell your neighbor, it's about that action. We can't just keep talking no more. It's about the action. Let's look at further proof that love is an action word. You want more proof? That love is an action word? I got you. Most famous passage of scripture. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It was the act of giving his son that was the demonstration of God's love for us. It takes stepping into somebody's situation, stepping into their mess to help them in order for them to truly feel God's love. In order for them to truly feel that you love them. We can't just do it with words. Can't just tell people, I love you, we love you, we're here for you. Anything you need, we're here for you. We're here for you. But the second they need us, oh, my schedule's busy, and I can't do that, or... All words. I wonder if the priest and the Levite, while passing by the man that was left for dead, if they, like, just extended their hands. And they would say, oh, Lord, that man is dying. Lord, help him. God, help him. Bless that man. Rise him from the dead. Send help. You are a present help in a time of need, Lord. Help him. I wonder. Rather than stepping in to be God's hands and his feet and to be the vessel for God to show his love and his glory to that man. Amen? Tell your neighbor. The church has been AWOL. So what am I trying to say by this? I'm not using this in the same way that the military uses the term, absent without leave. What I mean when I say the church has been AWOL, and the entire point of this message today is that we are absent without love. We are absent. The church is absent without love. If love is an action word and we're just praying and praying that people are saved and praying that people's needs are met, praying for God to take control of certain situations, but we are not out there getting our hands dirty, we are absent due to our lack of action. 
If we don't take action, then the words, I love you, we love you, are meaningless, and we might as well not even fix our mouths to say them. Tell your neighbor, the church has been AWOL. We tell people that we love them, but we are silent and inactive with some of the biggest issues plaguing our world. We tell the kids that we love them, but we won't get involved in the fight against abortion. We won't stand for kids when it comes to their lives and them being aborted. We tell people, we tell kids that we love them. And while the enemy is plotting and planning and doing everything that he can to kill this next generation, many times we are silent. We tell moms that we love them and that they're not alone. And that we love the children that are in their womb and that there is help for them. They don't have to go through abortion. We say all these things, but when it comes to taking action, when it comes to speaking out, we're silent. We tell kids that we love them, but then we go and vote and put somebody in office whose agenda and whose desire is to refund and give more money to Planned Parenthood. And whose plan or whose thought is, well, you can abort a kid up to five minutes after they're born, up to six minutes after they're born. We tell them we love them, but then we'll put somebody like that in office. I got news for you. If you can have an abortion up to five minutes, six minutes after that child is born already, that's not abortion. That's murder. That is a child sacrifice is exactly what that is. Not sugarcoating nothing. And so I'm not here to get political with you guys. This is an issue even within the church. This is an issue that we say we're against. But because of our own personal desires, we're, we're too self-minded. We're not kingdom-minded enough. Because if you're kingdom-minded, I don't care what I don't like about you. I don't care what you said or, or, or how you hurt me or whatever the question might be. If you're kingdom-minded, I'm not putting somebody in office that is for murdering children. That is for abortion. That wants to give more money to Planned Parenthood. But if you're self-minded, well, you know, this one's better than the other one. 
this one has more, I don't know what, experience, whatever it might be. Hear me again. This is not a political thing. This is an issue that we are facing. I find it funny because I'm sure after this they'll say, oh, you know, they're getting political. They're talking politics in the church. Right? But if you ask any pastor of, of some of these mega churches that have this, you know, huge platform and, and that have these, uh, this huge following, if you ask any one of them, well, why are you not talking about this in the church? This is an issue. Abortion is not a politics issue. That's the heart. Why are you not talking about this in the church? You know what the response would be, most likely? The response is going to be, well, you know, not everybody likes to hear that. I don't want to lose the following. You mean you don't want to lose the vote. So who's the politician? When we decide we're not going to talk about true issues that break God's heart, who's the politician then? Amen? So I dare you. You love kids? You love moms? You believe there's another way out? I dare you to get involved. Talk to Sister Yvette after this service. And Beyond Pregnancy Care, who is doing work in the community to show moms that there's another way out, to show them that abortion is not the answer, and to be that help, that present help in that time of need for those people, for moms and for dads. Amen? We tell women and kids that we love them and we're here for them and we're praying for them. But when we hear about them being trafficked and sold for sex in an elite pedophile ring to some of our favorite celebrities, some of our favorite politicians, some of our favorite business people, business moguls, we are dead silent. Ask yourself why. Again, that's not a political issue. That's an issue of the heart. There are still people in slavery. If you're going to tell me that's about politics, then I don't know. I don't know where you've been. That is an issue of the heart. Amen. Hashtag Petalwood. Hashtag Pizzagate. It's a real thing. Let's stop ignoring it. It's happening whether you want to believe it, whether you like it or not. And I'm glad that our church is involved in this fight against trafficking. I'm glad that our church has not shied away from these difficult topics. But it's going to take the whole body 
to make a difference. So I dare you. I dare you to speak with Pastor Michael over there in the back after this service and ask him how you can get involved with the fight against human trafficking. Serious. I wonder if they reported the amount of children that go missing every day, for the record, about 8 million a year, 800,000 in the U.S. alone. I wonder if they reported every single day that a child goes missing, the way that they report every single day somebody gets sick with COVID, if people would take it more seriously. I don't care what you believe, who you are, where you come from. If you're going to tell me that COVID-19 is more serious and more important than a child's life that goes missing about every two seconds, every four seconds, then you're highly mistaken. <clears throat> Tell your neighbor, the church is AWOL. How about this one? We tell our black brothers and sisters, your fight is my fight. We stand with you. We're with you. Your life matters. We love you. But we won't join them in marching. We won't join them in actively seeking justice for people that are victims of injustice every single day in our communities. We won't join them in advocating and making our voices heard so that the DA, the FBI, the whoever, whoever needs to get involved can finally arrest the killers of Breonna Taylor. Tell your neighbor again. The church has been AWOL. We were called to subdue the earth and take dominion over everything in it. So you better believe that the body of Christ, us, you and I, us here that call ourselves Christians, we will be held accountable for the condition of this country and for the condition of the world that we live in. If we continue to be active, inactive, passive, and stagnant when it comes to showing our love through action, God will judge the church for it. Amen? It's getting hot, huh? Trust me, I felt this one. One of the biggest scapegoat things that us church folk love to say it's uh how do I say this nicely we try to use this 
as an excuse for our laziness and as an excuse for us to not feel accountable to the things that are going on around us. And so this is our favorite thing to say. Well, I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. Like that's some type of free pass to be able to sit on our hands and our feet and not act on these things. That's a casual Christian response to real issues going on. And we're living in a time in a day and in an age where a casual Christian will be a casualty. If we continue to be passive, if we continue to be inactive, if we continue to be casual, we will be a casualty. Whether that's just us ourselves, or being a casualty and causing casualty to others around us. Amen? We can't afford to be casual anymore. You want to know what the danger is of not showing people our love through our actions? The danger is that it can lead many people astray. And in a day and time where God wants us to lead people to him and through the cross, being inactive, being AWOL, will lead people astray. What do I mean by this? So the story of the Good Samaritan, he's passed over by the Levite. He's passed over by the priest. You know who stopped for him? It was a Samaritan man. And so to the Jews, the Samaritans, they, they were disgusted by him. To the people of God, they were disgusted by the Samaritans because they worshipped idols and they worshipped, you know, these statues of Baal and worshipped everything but the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the Levites, the priests, wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. But he was the only one that stopped, Right? So now, I don't know what this particular Samaritan believed, but this just is an illustration to show that the church is being outworked and outloved by the world. The Samaritan in this story represents the world, right? And he was the only one to stop. And so a moment where this Levite and this priest could have led this man to God, 
or in a moment when you and I can lead somebody, be there in their situation, and lead them to Christ, when we say no, it leaves opportunity for other things to creep in. And so as Pastor was alluding to last week and throughout the series, there's so many things out there that are causing confusion, that are leading people in the wrong direction. I don't know what the Samaritan believed, but imagine he stops and he helps this man and he shows this man love. And he helps him. He bandages him up, gives him some money, says, here, I got you. And then the man that was left for dead is like, man, you know, bless your heart. Thank you for stopping. Other people pass right by me. You know, that's, that's love right there. I want to know what... Like, what do you believe? What, where does that love come from? And then that man is met with, well, I'm just a good person. Or he's met with, well, I'm just, you know, I believe in the good energy. And he's met with, well, the universe just told me to stop. And he's met with whatever he's met with. And that is the door that is left open when we don't step through it to help somebody. For the enemy to step in and lead that person astray. Even though it was an act of kindness. That person may never get to encounter Jesus. And now they're involved in all these high vibrations, man, and Reiki, and my chakras got to be on point. We are allowing people to be led astray. I'll tell you guys this story. When I was about 18 years old, yeah, when I was about 18 years old, I was looking for something, right? I had only been to one church in my life before this church, and it was a one-time visit, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but I just left with a bad taste in my mouth. I think they told me, like, I can't wear my hat when I come into the church. Like, people are still doing that, really? Like, that's still a thing? You can't wear your hat? That would mean Josh would have to leave, John would have to leave, Tavian would have to leave, Pastor Mike would have to leave, Dilly would leave, Gabe would leave, Lewis would leave. Right? And so after that, you know, I was in a, in a difficult time in my life, and I was looking for something. I knew God loved me because I had just gotten into an accident that should have killed me, and I walked out without a scratch, right? And so I'm searching. I'm like, man, God, I know you're real. You're clearly real. How do I find you? 
true story. I got this tattoo that I needed to like get a touch up on or something because you know it's kind of by now it's hurting. But I got this tattoo. It says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I wasn't a Christian, but I got it because I was desperately searching for something. And I was like, man, maybe this will help me feel closer to God. Maybe this will help me to, to know who God is. Right? And so later on, I met this uh, lady that was a friend of my mom's at, uh, at some point. Um, and she called herself a spiritual counselor. Right? Which I know now is was nothing more than a spiritist, which the Bible talks about. And so her thing was, yeah, you know, whether you believe in Christ or you believe in Buddha or Muhammad, I'm just able to counsel people in whatever walk they decide to take. So I'm like, all right, that sounds, sounds kind of weird, but I don't know what I'm looking for at this point, so. I went with it. I'm like, okay. So I started, you know, seeing this lady, visiting her a couple times a month. And she had this office. And you would come in her office. And one time I would come in and she's like, okay, Ryan, let's read your angel cards. And see what the angels are saying to you today. And then another time I will come and she's like, okay, lay on the table. It's like a massage table. Lay on the table. We're going to read your energy and see if your chakras are off. And then after that, she's like, okay, your energy's a little bit off. You got to take these stones and go to the beach. And next time you're at the beach, if the moon is out, only if the moon is out on a Tuesday, it's got to be 2 p.m. If it's 201, it's not going to work. 2 p.m. exactly at the beach on a Tuesday with the moon out. It's like it's 2 p.m. What are you talking about? You throw these stones into the ocean, and that is going to bring you a wave of blessing. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool. Wave, okay. And then after that, she will sit me down and say, okay, now let's read John chapter 316. And we're going to see what the word of God says because Jesus is all over you. I feel him. He's in this room with you right now. He is all over you. And that was so quick that I didn't know what the heck just hit me. And it was so confusing that I began to associate these other things with being close to God. I used to walk around with so many rocks and pebbles in my pocket at one point. Like, I could have built a house or something. A joint would have fell because it was not on the right foundation, but you, you get what I'm saying. It's funny, but it's real, yo. People are being led astray by stuff like this every single time. Pastor alluded to it last week. There are churches that are allowing this to infiltrate their sanctuaries and infiltrate their congregation. There are churches that are doing the angel card readings. Big churches, churches you love, churches I love, churches that I'm like, man, this... Man, when we get there, we got to be like this church. Yeah, churches like that. 
So be grateful for what we have. Don't compare what we have to what anyone else has. Because what God wants to do through us as a church, yes, but as the part of the body that we play is, is not like what we're seeing now. Amen? Tell your neighbor, the church has been AWOL. Let's turn to James 2. And we're going to read verses 14 to 18. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Like, no, it's, it's two separate things, you know. You got faith, that's, you know, great. I got the deeds. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Amen? Amen? I'm going to say much about that. I don't have to say anything else about that passage. There's nothing I can say about that that it doesn't already say right there in itself. Amen? We can pray. Yes. We need to pray. We can encourage. We can worship. Name it and proclaim it. All of the stuff that we've been taught to do. But if we don't do the work, things will never happen. If we don't do the works, people will not feel God's love. I would go as far as to say that it is our faith in action that will show people God's love. When I tell you, brother, you're going to be all right. I know you lost your job during COVID. But God is going to bless you and he's not going to forsake you and he's going to take care of your needs He's going to take care of your needs. And I'm able to sow a seed into that person's life. That is the true demonstration of faith. That is the true demonstration of God's love. Amen? I'm getting ready to close. And um, tell your neighbor, thank God. <laughs> Trust me. This is a, a message 
that I was like, dang, God, for real? It's like that? All right. So I'm getting ready to close. We're going to finish in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. Amen. It reads, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That is our inheritance. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Verse 40, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen? I didn't write this down. I wasn't going to um, share this, but I feel I need to share it. So I'm going to share it. You guys may stand to your feet. So where do we go from here? I believe that God, now more than ever, is calling his church to repent. 
Yes, we tell those that don't know God, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but we see that even those that knew God, that did not act on behalf of his people, will be lost and sent to the lake of fire if we do not act. And so what I wanted to share with you is this. And I actually got this from my um, Bible commentary. The number one problem in the end times will be the corruption in the church, not the immorality of the world. It sounds like a harsh statement, right? The number one trouble in the end times will be the corruption in the church, in the body, in us. That'll be the number one problem, not the immorality in the world. How can I prove this? It says in Matthew 24, 15, so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. What it's saying by that, here, let me read the whole thing. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea, Judea flee to the mountains. What it's talking about there is the uprising of the Antichrist. And so why is the number one problem in the end times the corruption within the church and not the immorality of the world? How did this abomination of desolation get into the holy place to begin with? Who let it in? Who let them in? We did. And I know these things have to happen. They will happen for the return of our Lord and Savior. But I refuse to be the church that is going to sit here and while corruption tries to come in, we just give it an open platform. I refuse to be the church that is going to sit here and while people are in need and people are hurting and people are dying, we are going to do nothing about it and not give them the help that they need. I refuse to be the church that is going to be the reason why someone is led astray into a different religion, into, into a different belief that is not going to get them to the Father because I couldn't open up my mouth, because I couldn't be there first. We are called to lead the charge. We are called to be in the front lines. You want to know why people started rioting and looting and fighting and destroying things when everything started happening with the protest? Because the church was not the first one to lead the protest. The 
The church was not the first one to get involved in these different things. If we would have led it from the beginning, I believe there would not have been at least as much destruction as we've seen. But because we want to sit on the sideline and be the cheerleaders, you can do it. God's going to bless you. You got this. Instead of being the players in the game that God calls us to be, we see things crumbling around us. So today I want to make a call. And if you are the person that doesn't know Jesus, and maybe you know you have a good heart. Maybe you're like the Samaritan where you're like, man, you know, I don't know Jesus or I don't know God, but I would definitely stop for that person. I want us to pray for you because it is only through the Father or it's only through the Son that we can get to the Father. And we want you to be able to see that that love that you feel inside your heart comes from God. We want to be able to guide you to use that in the correct way and for the right person, which is Jesus. And if you're the person like me who's been a churchgoer, I don't know how long I've been going to church now, six, seven years, some 15, some 20, some 30, some 40. If you're that person and you have done everything in your power to distance yourself from the world as opposed to step in and get involved when there is need, we want to pray with you as well. I believe God wants us to repent. Now more than ever, we have to repent, church. Because I don't care how long we've been going to church, how long we've been doing the song and dance. If we are not being God's hands and feet on the earth, we will be left behind. There's no doubt about it. That's scary. The word says that, that, that many come in his name, many will come in his name and say, Lord, we prophesied on your behalf and we prayed on your behalf and we did these miracles. We did this, that, and the other. And he will still say to them, depart from me because I never knew you. I don't want to be that person. I refuse to be that person. I'll be dead honest with you. At one point in my life, in my walk, I felt like I was that person. Like, I would be that person. Doing the song and dance. But when it came to showing love through my action, AWOL. Completely AWOL. I will come up here and worship and sing and praise. Sing, I'm done pretending I want the real thing. Thinking about how big a drink I'm going to pour myself when I get home. Or reaching in the glove compartment for my lighter to spark my L on the way home. 
we all can easily fall into it if we are not connected to the word of God, if we are not connected to God. Easily. And to each his own, but I know that it wasn't right with me. To tell people, you don't need anything but God. But then, I'm not believing that myself. I'm not living by that myself. And so if you fit in either of those categories today, the person that maybe feels like, man, I've got to take action. We want to pray today. And if you're the person that does not know God and does not want to be led astray by these other things that are out in the world trying to take our attention, then we want to pray for you today as well. Amen? And you can come up if you want to. You don't have to. But I'm up here myself as a sign of someone that knows he needs to be up here. That knows that I too have fallen short of the glory of God. That knows that I too have not shown love in the right way many different times. Amen? God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, my Lord, because you are sovereign. We thank you, my Lord, because you are holy. We thank you, my Lord, because you are lifted on high, Father. You are the righteous judge, the righteous king, my God, and there is no one like you. Father, we thank you, my Lord, for the word that you have given today. That although it may not have been the nicest word and, and may not have made us feel all tingly in our ears, my God, it was a necessary word, Father. I thank you for speaking this word to me, my God, before I try to bring it to others, Father. Father, we thank you for your correction. We thank you when you rebuke us, my God. We thank you when you convict us, my Lord. Because if we ever fall into a category where we think that we've got it all together, my God, that is a dangerous place to be. Father, I thank you, my God, that your mercies are made new every single morning, Father. That your mercies are made new every single morning, my God. That when we wake up, Father, if we didn't do the right thing the day prior, that we have another opportunity, my God, to seek you and do it the right way. And so, Father, right now, my God, we want to pray for boldness, Lord Jesus. We want to pray for boldness in your body. We want to pray for courage in your body. We want to pray for strength in your body, my Lord. Father, we rebuke any stagnant spirit, my God, that is dwelling within us, my God. Any spirit of passivity, any spirit of inactivity, my God, we rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus, Father. For your sons and daughters, my God, that we call ourselves Christians and we say that we love you and that we say that we love our neighbor, my God, may you put a, 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 a spirit of action in us, my God. May you place a, a feeling of action and having to take action, my God. Having to step up, my Lord, when there is a need. Having to step up to help somebody who needs you. Father, that you will put a spirit of boldness in us, my God, especially in this time, my Lord. Especially in this time, my Lord, to proclaim your gospel. To speak to people, my God, who the enemy wants to lead astray. To speak to people who the enemy wants to lead astray with false miracles and false hope and false teaching and false doctrine, my God. To speak to those people and tell them about the truth of Jesus. 
Tell them about the truth of who you are, my God. I pray, my God, that you will activate your body, my Lord. Awaken the inner man in this house today. Awaken the inner women in this house today, Father. That we cannot just go to sleep, my God, knowing there are things that, you're, that, 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 that there is need for. That we cannot just go to sleep knowing there are things you are calling us to take action in. That we cannot just go to sleep in our own comfort knowing, my God, that you want us to do more, that you're calling us higher, that you're calling us for more. But, Father, that you would activate us. That we will no longer be absent without love, my God, but that people would feel your presence, my God, through the action and the love that we show them. We thank you, Jesus, my God. We pray for the person that does not know you today. For the person that's like, man, you know, I just got a good heart. For the person that doesn't know why they love people, but they just love people. Father, we pray for that person today, my God. Whether they are here in your house or online, my God, we pray that you would reveal to them who you are, Jesus. That you would reveal to them that any good and perfect thing comes from God. And so if they feel love in their hearts and they feel to care for somebody, that it is your love that is tugging them to do so. We pray, my God, for that person that they will not be led astray, but that they will receive your salvation today. That they will receive Christ as their Lord and Savior today. Whether here, whether online, that they will receive you, my God, as their Lord and Savior and continue to work and continue to labor and continue to be active for the body. Father, your word says that the harvest is plentiful and it's ripe, but the laborers are few. Awaken laborers today, my God. Awaken laborers, awaken workers today, my God. They will go out and speak against abortion and take action and volunteer to help put a stop to abortion. They will go out and speak against racism and volunteer and march and take action against injustice in our communities. They will go out and speak against trafficking and march and take action in the fight against human trafficking. They will see the things in this world that, that are of need. That they will see the things in this world that you want us to be active in and not say, well, that's not my problem. No, it is. It is, my God. So we just thank you, my God. We pray, my Lord, that you will just make this word just continue to stay inside of us. We know, my God, that this is a word from you, my Lord. There's nothing I could have said. There's nothing anybody can say outside of your spirit, Father, that will be good enough. So we thank you, my God. We thank you for this word today. We thank you for your church. We thank you for a bold generation, my God, a generation that will rise up and take action, a generation that will not be silent to the things plaguing this world, a generation that will be radical for you, my God, a generation that will be ferocious for you, my God. We've had the lamb generation for so long, but you are both the lamb of God and the, the lamb that was slain and the lion of Judah, my God. So we pray that you would arise the lion of Judah generation, my God, that will be ferocious and jealous for your word, my God. They will be ferocious and jealous for your people. They will be unmoved by the things of this world. And that they will take it by storm, Father. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.